On November 15th, former pro player and streamer Siegel made the video The State of Overwatch, which at the time of this recording has reached almost 700k views. It has rippled through the community and was the number one post even on the main subreddit for several hours. And it kickstarted a discussion about Overwatch as a game and as a competitive experience, which I personally thought was high time and very much welcomed. And as I tend to do, I took a step back from the flaring emotions and observed it mostly as an outsider. I found there to be a great saturation of talking points, and it seems to be one of those drumbeats that causes lasting change in the expectations of the community, which can only improve the experience. I was even unsure if my two cents were even required here anymore, so while I want to only comment a little bit on the content of the video and the resulting discussion, I want to talk more about the nature of the video, which was mostly pointing out what he saw as issues without naming any solutions to them. So this approach was later on criticized by fellow pro player Shofor, and he said on Twitter, Siegel's video has a lot of thoughts and concerns in the game with almost no solutions for the problems he addressed. Sort of insinuating that this type of feedback is not valuable, is not constructive, is incomplete. I personally will argue in this video that this is actually wrong. It is probably worse to give suggestions and giving very accurate descriptions on the issues you see is probably the most constructive feedback you could get, give to a development team. So I responded to this that this is the opposite as actually the case, that it's much better to only talk about your feelings, your experience with the game, and gave a following analogy, which has been pointed out to me as a false equivalency, and to a certain point it, it seems to be sort of mildly hyperbolic, but I do think in essence... I like it more and more now. And it goes as such. You go to the doctor and you say, doctor, it's hurting here. Um, can we take out the bone here? Just take it, take it out. It's hurting. And the doctor goes, well, how did it happen that it started hurting? How did, did you, is, is there a bump? Um, what kind of pain is there? Did you take anything? All this information is barred from him because you simply said, okay, here's a solution to the problem which might not be even be the correct one, but now you won't accept any other solution than just that. And that's also, by the way, a great, great uh, issue with Google, you know, Googling your um, personal illnesses. So probably shouldn't do that. Now let's sort of see that analogy in Overwatch. There are certain restrictions that a doctor and a developer are under that we don't know of because we don't have the expertise to decide what these restrictions are and how layered they are. So let, let's name a couple of them, right? So one thing is expertise at game balance itself. Now, I personally th say this is probably the weakest one in, in terms of arguments against providing solutions because I think especially cerebral players like Siegel have a deep understanding of Overwatch, and in terms of su making suggestions, just gameplay suggestions, um, this might be the closest that a pro player can come to useful feedback because they have invested so much, they probably have a better high-level understanding of Overwatch, but at the same time, we have to say, and I think every 
you know, mids level or slightly above average level, um, oh, let's just say everyone that isn't in the high ELO marks has probably noticed while watching Siegel's video, some of the experiences he describes is not the one we can share. Siegel, for instance, talks about that he has to convince his team of playing goats if the other plane t- plays goats, because uh, otherwise you will lose. Now, how often do you actually encounter a situation where you have to run goats mirrors? How often do you actually encounter goats either on your team or on the opponent's team? It's very hard to convince people of playing these organized uh, compositions, even finding enough people to, that have the knowledge of how it works, even though it's sort of rather easy in terms of skill flow. So in terms of what he could suggest, maybe that changes something within my gameplay experience as an average player and therefore has a restriction there for the developer because the high-level player says, ah, okay, we need to do something like this here. And the the middling player says, well, that really decreases my enjoyment of the game. And the good, good player, rightly, by the way, f- at least in some way says, well, you just need to get better in order to get more enjoyment out of it. Well, for the mass majority of people, the enjoyment should be along the way and we should try to make decisions that benefit everyone. Now, you can't make suggestions if you don't have the the added experience of the entire player pool. So, talking from a pro player's perspective is very tunnel-visioned, even in terms of gameplay balance. So, let's talk about a couple of other restrictions. One of the biggest ones certainly is code structure. So one thing that comes to mind that almost turned into a meme in, I believe it was League of Legends, which is that heroes were introduced and certain mechanics of them were coded as minions. So they took the code from the minions, the base structure of what a minion was, and minion are the non-player creeps that give gold if you kill them in MOBAs, and they were modified then to be some sort of ability, to be a Zyra plant or whatever. You know, the, uh, a non-player character that a, another player ca- could summon and then be in the game. And there were some issues with that code base because while it was the most efficient way to go about it, there were certain limitations towards the code that didn't make it feasible to make certain changes. And that certainly could be the case for whatever you are suggesting towards a developer that it is simply not time efficient to implement the change you're suggesting. It is very possible because you don't have the idea how the game is structured, even if you have an insight into coding. Now, there are other technical interdependencies, so changing one thing might change something else in the game, and therefore it would require even more work Workload balance is very important in uh, development uh, work cycles. And to sort of presuppose that this is very easy to fix won't help anyone. And even if you point out the absolute best change in a given situation, if this takes thousands of hours of man work, then there might be a better solution that just also satisfies, maybe not 100%, but 95%, that is much easier to do and get out of uh, the development cycle so you can make more and better improvements someone else in the game. It is very much about time management. Also, another thing definitely very important is that we already talked about the different experiences. Well, the the thing that is also very important is 
to have all the data and the statistics even just from a gameplay aspect. So we have to differentiate here. There are the feelings of gameplay and there are the actual realities of gameplay. Now let's give me let me give you an example. I already made a video about this during uh stage 1 and then in the aftermath. People said that first kills on anything else but mercy didn't matter because mercy obviously had two reses, instant reses with a ultimate and they completely negated first picks, and it really felt unsatisfying. The feeling, definitely there, it's unsatisfying because my kill is negated. Reality of stats, it was just as impactful as killing anyone else. It was even the case that killing Mercy first was not the most impactful first kill. Think of this. You think that the game just takes a cooldown away from Mercy. No, it's about momentum. Whatever is in there, all these little factors that make it so that first kills are very Im impactful, simply raising it up doesn't negate this, never negated this, empirically simply wrong. Your feeling might be very valid, but that the, the change to mercy was made based on feeling, not based on stats. Now we have to talk about stats and feelings, or rather empirical evidence or facts. In gameplay development, feelings towards a certain thing are probably more important than the facts that they represent. There might very well be a character that has only 50% win chance, has just as many applications as he would normally want to have, so let's say a play rate of like 20%, but he might still feel very unfair. And as long as that's the case, even though he's perfectly balanced in pick rate, in win rate, that is still not a desirable thing, and it's arguably much worse than having someone than having a character that has fifty five percent win rate and has a hundred percent pick rate, but doesn't feel cheap. It is all about the perception of the gameplay through aspects of is it deserved? Is it annoying? Could I have done something? Is it clear to me by being killed by him what I've could done better? These things need to be taken into consideration and require immense expertise, immense data points, good data, we don't have access to that, right? Okay, other restrictions um, th that dev teams might certainly be under are certain quotas that other departments hand down to them. I won't, don't want to speculate on them, but we real or we know these are realities that we as players don't have to deal with, def definitely developers do. There are other random <laughs> issues that might pop up that I definitely have forgotten. Once again, I'm not a developer myself, so of course, lacking the expertise, what's going on behind the scenes, cannot tell you what could be going on or going wrong, and therefore won't make the assumption. Rest assured, it's hard as hell. There's a lot of pressure. There are a lot of long hours, and these people are selected among a base of very talented individuals because this very much is a dream job for very talented, high-performing specialists that might as well be working in other high-performing jobs, but just shows this as a calling. It's very presumptuous and pretentious to me that they are somehow dumb and therefore they can't fix the issue. That's probably not the case, right? The, in general, also, developers don't lack creativity. Let me say this outright. The fact... It, if you make a suggestion, it is very likely that they have thought of something like this 
or even come up with a more sophisticated idea. I will tell you, it is probably more likely that a developer looks into the sky, sees something, relates that to his experience because his brain is constantly in the mode of conceiving of solutions for Overwatch, that this might help him. Or, you know, the smell of a rose or whatever. And these concepts connect and suddenly there's a eureka moment and he has to fix. This is almost as likely as you giving him a solution. Now, what happens if Siegel, someone with the importance of Siegel, actually makes that suggestion? So, let me say first, simply naming the solution and not at all or not much of the experience that you're having might lead to something like this. So, let's, let's take the unrealistic granted scenario that you think Anna's headshots should deal more damage. You don't say anything else. Now, the developer has to decodify what you're saying. You coded the language. You actually didn't look in yourself why you think that is. And there are several factors for this. You might think she likes damage. You might think she likes skill components. You might think she likes satisfying abilities because headshots are very satisfying and therefore you want to feel rewarded in the gameplay and she might need more of those. These are all valid concerns. If you framed them as such without giving the suggestions, now you're much more likely to give the developer something that he can work with, can come up with a better solution that also works within these frameworks that we just talked about. So, again, let's talk about what happens if Siegel actually makes suggestions. At this point, if Siegel makes a suggestion and isn't the most, absolute most careful to express the low amounts of certitudes he might have towards a change, there might be a scenario where the community latches on to the suggested change and says, this is the non plus ultra. If we don't get this, we're not satisfied. Everything else is a non-solution, an evasion, lazy, whatever it is, we want Siegel's solution because we're uh, committed to it, without even really too deeply thinking on the reasonableness of the point itself. It's very easy for online communities to fall into that trap and to trap the developer because this would then provide another restriction on top of the restrictions we already mentioned. Now they have to work within the framework that the pro player has given them in terms of the solution and try to conceive of something that, while the solution might be terrible, sort of resembles the solution, so they still could satisfy the community somewhere there. You realize this narrows down the, the scope of solutions so incredibly much. So... It's it's almost, if we're going just on top of my head, if we're going um, towards the doctor's analogy once again, you say, oh, this hurts, and the only way you can solve this, or I will let you solve this, is if you apply antibiotics. Well, this might th- there might be very many reasons why your collarbone might be hurting, right? So to fix this in this sort of way will be very challenging. Now, once again, to reiterate, Siegel, by providing suggestion, might have inadvertently caused the game to remain in a worse state than it could have been by simply voicing what his issue is, adding on top of the pile, triggering a lot of people to say what their issue is, and therefore 
causing a solution. Now, one thing that developers definitely need is good data. If nobody's talking what their problems actually are, the next best thing they can go to is ask outward, like send out around questionnaires, but they don't might be as accurate. Worse yet, they might get in-house focus groups, which I personally, from meta studies of in-house focus groups, I don't really trust any of them to to a gradient degree. And th so the best thing we can do is simply talk to them about the emotions we feel, the issues we have, and the things that I saw arise from the discussion are very interesting aspects of Overwatch, which I personally thought about before, but once again had reinforced by people saying pretty much what my experience with the game was. One of the, the talking points is that Overwatch is very straining or tiring. So this is very val valuable, especially if you can go down the levels. Why is it tiring? Now, some people might find that it's tiresome to play the game itself. It's very hectic. There are a lot of factors to consider. And after a certain amount of games, it's just too loud, too noisy, too much cognitive resources needed. You need to take a break. And unless you do that, you break down and then also your mood deteriorates. Mood in itself or the interaction with other human beings might actually be the factor that is tiring you out. That either nobody's talking or people are toxic when you're talking or they are talking toxic to each other. You have to mute them. There's no communication. These might be all factors in your experience of a tiresome, you know, gameplay effect. Now, if you are able to go down to the minutia, to the little things and really say, this is how I feel. And if a wide variety of people do this from all types of levels, also on the pro play level, which I personally think, by the way, should get some more attention simply because we have the Overwatch League and there is more importance to them because by having happy pro players, the happiness of the, the gameplay situation might trickle down. And if a lot of people on stream say, oh, I'm having a ma an amazing time right now, this mood trickles down to the community as well. So th there might be some more weight that we need to apply to pro player experience. But we, if we can value that, if we can look at what is the experience we're having, what is the, what are the, are the feelings we're having, what is it like to stop playing Overwatch, am I satisfied, whatnot. If I, or if we can give this to the developers, then they, with their expertise, with their knowledge of their certain restrictions, and with their time management, can decide on the best solutions. And there are points where a community can be fed up with development teams. Certainly not the point yet in Overwatch. And I think for now, we should let the solutions be part of the development ex experience, and we should simply vocalize what the issue is for us.